I like the girls that do drugs Girls with cigarettes in the back of the club Girls that hate cops and buy guns Girls with no guns Girls with me, just with fun I don't to make no apology Girls you like to fuck We're back on Date with the Night Back in May, I asked the question on Instagram, what are some new artists that are bringing back the Indie Sleaze, Electro Clash, and Bloghouse vibes? It led to a heated discussion with lots of great suggestions and resulted in a playlist of my picks named The Modern Age. If you haven't checked it out, I will link to it in the description of this episode, and it's also available on my link tree on Instagram. Now, there's one artist in particular on the playlist who is determined to bring the early 2000s-era Bloghouse aesthetic back, and it's Brooklyn-based Harrison Patrick Smith of The Dare. Hello. How are you? Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Good. It's so great to have you on the pod. I saw on your Instagram stories that you just DJed in Times Square last night. What was that like? I did. That was really fun. It was a little silly because it was, you know, mostly for just like mobs of tourists. And I'm like... <laughs> trying to play all this cool downtown music, but it provided for some really good pictures and videos. So yeah, my mom is really stoked on it. <laughs> <laughs> and did you play your new song, Girls? I did, yeah. <laughs> nice. And what was the crowd's reaction? Kind of a non-reaction, really. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't know what they're witnessing, the greatness that they're in the presence of. Yeah, it's just like a blank stare. <laughs> Well, congrats on Girls. It's such a great track. It really captures so much of what I love about this era and the overall vibe. You're a resident DJ at Home Sweet Home, which is a dive bar in New York that has been named the best bar to make out in by Thrillist, which is where you also shot your music video for Girls, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I DJ there every Thursday night. I throw a party called Frequencies there. I actually, I don't think I've ever made out in Home Sweet Home, but I've seen a lot of people making out. It's very like dark and there's a lot of like really big booths that I feel like you can kind of hide in. So it makes sense. Well, that's on your bucket list then, I guess. Hit that at some point. Definitely. <laughs> what kind of music do you spin at Home Sweet Home? On the flyers, I typically just summarize it as techno, disco, house and punk. And I think most of the things fall under those categories. It really depends on what the crowd is like. Like I usually just show up with my USB of a thousand songs and then, you know, try and get people to dance like no matter what their vibe is. Like sometimes it's just random Wall Street bros. <laughs> but if everything goes my way and a bunch of friends come and it's really lit, then I'll play like The Rapture. I'll play lots of new breakbeats, lots of new techno kind of pop stuff like DOS or I love Marie Davidson. I play some like 80s stuff like sexual harassment or the psychedelic furs. Sweet. I really go kind of all over the place and it just depends on what people are responding to, you know, just trying to be a good DJ. But yeah, in my ideal world, there's a lot of early 2000s club music going on. <laughs> I'm actually kind of interested what gets the Wall Street bros going. What do you have to play to get them to? I mean, Bad Bunny or like ABBA, which is bizarre. I don't know. It's really weird. There's always 20 Wall Street guys and like they're like <laughs> girlfriends. They're just going nuts, just yelling at me to play ABBA. Like they want to hear Dancing Queen or something. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. I've seen you quoted saying that your previous name was Turtlenecked and it didn't fit the aesthetic of the new music you're currently producing. How would you describe the music you were creating under the umbrella of Turtlenecked? Definitely a lot more indie rock, definitely a little more twee, 
definitely a, a lot less club friendly. But that wasn't really intentional. It was more like I just started that project when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what kind of music I was going to make yet. I was like, I'm just going to make some rock songs to start and see what happens. So that was 2014, probably. Over time, I feel like the aesthetic of the project shifted because I just got better at writing songs and producing. It was just sort of like a learning ground for everything. And I definitely had some successes. I started moving away from indie rock into indie pop stuff and post-punk kind of influenced things and then those kind of paths led me to this album in 2020 called Kapow. I really started leaning into New York music, things that were like slightly more danceable, more electronic and I think that record was kind of the like tipping point where I started going fully into a new aesthetic and a new realm and I also started DJing around that time and that sort of shifted my understanding of how dance music works mm -hmm. and how it's structured and arranged and it's like a very different and practical way of looking at music where it's not hitting like let's get a different track in there or it's like this breakdown is obviously in the song so you can transition out of it all of those forces sort of were the impetus for me to start something new and create like a new kind of project with like different goals in mind really but Turtleneck is still a thing, and I have like a new album of rock songs for that project. So probably going to put that out in the next year. <laughs> yeah. When and how did you decide to start The Dare and focus more on this kind of early 2000s underground sound and aesthetic? I guess pre-pandemic, I was walking around and I, for some reason, had put off listening to The Rapture for a really, really long time. I've always been a fan of LCD Sound System and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. It's kind of the bigger acts from that era, like in high school and college. And it wasn't really till I moved to New York that I started reading about the rapture, like reading old reviews and became obsessed, not even with House of Jealous Lovers or like Echoes, but I became obsessed with the song Olio. Yes, I love that song. Because I don't know, I was having a really hard time when I first moved to New York and I was just feeling like alienated by a bunch of the different kind of subcultures going on or like I didn't know anyone yet. I was just really feeling kind of dark and emo and Olio is so like gothic and tortured and it's just so stylish and like danceable at the same time. And when I heard that song, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I think it was like the top of my Spotify wrapped for 2018 and maybe 2019. And of course, you know, started listening to the rest of the album, became obsessed with that. The Rapture sort of feels even more raw than LCD Sound System. It's like more tortured and it's like more sincere in a way. Mm -hmm. It's less like calculated and like masterful and geniusy, you know. It has this immediacy to it where you're like, wow, this guy's singing his heart out and there's like so much pain or like emotion being expressed in the music. So I was like, I really want to do something like that. I want to make music that's like danceable and fun. And like, if you go to a show, it'll be crazy and sweaty. But like at the core of it are just real feelings being expressed. I mean, everybody wants that, I think, when they write music. But I don't know why. I was just really magnetized by that stuff. Yeah, I can definitely hear that, especially like songs off that album, like I Need Your Love and Open Up Your Heart. Like I can hear some of those influences in your music. You were quoted in Up Rocks saying you wanted to make something like Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches. Yeah, that is true. I'm from the suburbs of Washington State, like outside of Seattle. And growing up, it's like there's really like an absence of culture going on. I had no connection to like music or art or anything really outside of the Internet. So 
growing up on the internet and like encountering MySpace, encountering Tumblr. I think I had a few like nylon magazines growing up. I was just so attracted to these urban music scenes where people are like partying and it's like the cutting edge of fashion. It's the cutting edge of whatever's going on intellectually or with art. Music like Fuck the Pain Away or like Daft Punk is playing at my house or like I referenced to some people like the song Fun Time by Iggy Pop. Yes, love that song. It's just like music about partying, about going out, about being in the center of culture, but it's also cut with nihilism or darkness or like complex emotions going on. I mean, Daft Punk is playing at my house is pretty upbeat. And like yeah. obviously Girls is pretty silly too. It's not really a dark song like that stuff. But on like a complex historical level, that's why I want to make music like that. And like on a really basic level, I just think it's super fun. I love how loud the symbols are and fuck the pain away. I think it's just like so raw and punk and just fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun to sing just like your song. Thank you. Very fun to belt out those lyrics. It's interesting because Alex Capranos of Franz Ferdinand was asked recently about the Indie Sleeves revival and why people are looking at this time and why some of that music is coming back. And he was quoted as saying, I understand why people were drawn to it. But as the decade went on, it became more and more sexless. And he goes on to say, I think there's a desire for something a bit dirtier, a bit more real with the stink of sex about it. I totally understand that. And I empathize with that. And you were kind of quoted as saying there's like a feeling of optimism and openness and underground music from that time. Mm -hmm. And you want to bring that feeling back. Do you think over the next decade, we're going to see more of this in the music industry or from more artists, music like yours? That's fun. Like you can still talk about issues that you're having or darker themes, but within a danceable track that everyone could kind of like lose their shit to. I would really hope so. I think that sounds awesome. <laughs> I feel like when COVID hit and I was also, you know, starting to become obsessed with the early 2000s or, you know, always have been in a way. But I was just kind of thinking about the sort of like cultural PTSD that was going on at the time in New York after 9-11. When you read about that era, I think I was reading about the band Avenue D or something. And they were talking about in the wake of all that pain and suffering that was going on in this like very, very large and real way. A lot of people were like, I just want to like go out and have a good time basically and like have some fun like despite everything. It's sort of like this twisted kind of rebirth moment or something where mm -hmm. people are looking for community, you know, they're looking to have fun and like maybe not take things too seriously because the world is so bad and dark. And I felt that with COVID, I was like, I wonder if this is going to be like a really big cultural reset because it's rocking the entire world. It's rocking the entire US, especially very badly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really wonder what's going to happen after everyone's just stuck at home for two years, basically, or, you know, sort of shows are at least closed for like two years. I mean, for me personally, part of that lockdown is the reason that I started making electronic music because I just wasn't able to access a band and get in a room with people. So I was like, I'm just going to make some music on my own for this imaginary club of the future, you know, when things return. And I do feel like there's been sort of like an explosion of partying, at least amongst my friends and like the people that we party with in New York, because people are trying to make up for lost time, I think. As far as the future in like a mainstream way of like this feeling continuing or impacting popular music, 
what I'm proud of with girls is that in a way there's no contrived message to it. Mm-hmm. It's like sexual and it's like horny and it's silly, but it's not really trying to sell you on itself in any way. A lot of the music that I hear right now that is like sexy and like popular is like really trying to sell you on some sort of narrative of like empowerment or like some sort of story about trauma, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I felt that like permeate popular culture so much to the point where it, all of this feels meaningless. It doesn't feel like an authentic statement of expressing pain or emotion or something real. I'm kind of happy that I was able to make something that just has no interest in like putting a spin on it. It's very simple. Yeah. And it's just about kind of having fun and having those like crazy horny feelings, I guess. So I would hope that popular music follows suit. That makes me sound like a little egomaniacal or something. Just like I want music to be simple and emotional and like uncontrived so and fun because i do feel like the last bit of this decade a lot of music has been a little on the depressing and darker side but without that danceable element to it Mm -hmm. everything that's happening in the news all those headlines were making it into the lyrics of every song Mm -hmm. that was playing definitely so how would you kind of describe the current state of the underground new york scene i think it's honestly bubbling right now i think there's so many good bands can I just name drop some people real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course, of course. I don't have a list with me, so I might miss a lot of people, but like Test Subjects, Blake the Man 1000, Sitcom, there's Catcher, Blood is sort of a New York Philly hybrid band. There's so many, Sadie, Shallow Halo. I could keep going on. That's just a couple of them. But everybody's kind of doing their own thing. There's not necessarily like a unification of genre, but there is like a unification of spirit in that like everybody wants to have fun and go out, play a bunch of shows, even like get dressed up. I feel like there's more of like a theatricality to a lot of these bands right now that reminds me of the early 2000s, like the costuming and everything for Fisher Spooner is super important or like even for Peaches, there's such like an aesthetic language. So like, the test subjects release show for their album, or actually I don't know if it was a release show, but their first show was like this huge theatrical event where like Sam, the front man is wearing a football jersey and like jeans and he's playing this high school archetype. Melody, the front woman is wearing like a cheerleader's uniform and has pom-poms. It's this whole thing, but I see that kind of theatricality popping up in other bands and that it just feels like people really care But not only do they care, they're like really having fun with it. And they're like excited to put on a big show and just make other people excited about and like have fun at these shows, which I think is a rejection of a lot of the music in the scenes I've been in from the last five to 10 years, which is typically more like we're not going to dress up because that's lame. Like we're just wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. Take us seriously. This is serious business. So I don't know. I think all that is a really good sign that things are like exciting and fun i mean they're just exciting and fun to me right now also there's a lot of intermingling between the music and art and literary scenes of downtown new york right now especially my friend blake sort of moves really fluidly through all of these sort of has the support of the literary and art scenes and sort of introduces all these musicians to these people so i think that's really exciting too I think whenever there is like a really good scene happening, there is sort of like people writing about it, people photographing it, like playing shows in galleries. People just played at this poetry reading the other month and just having all these like weird and like colorful characters involved. So I think 
all that's kind of happening. And I kind of predict there will be more attention on it in the coming year. I love that because that is what was going on in this era. It was mixing of scenes, mixing of genres of music, and people were all kind of coming together. And like you kind of mentioned before, there was this community vibe and people were having a lot of fun. So when it comes to the future direction of the D.A.R.E., what can we expect? I'll definitely tell you I'm going to put out more singles in the next year. I have basically an album's worth of material that I'm going to figure out how I want to release it or like in what formats. But yeah, I think it's a style that definitely draws from Electro Clash as well as drawing from more contemporary house, techno, dance music, experimental music, and just super mainstream pop as well. So I'm pretty excited. I think the project is really much more diverse than girls would make you expect. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there aren't other songs like that are in a very similar vein to girls, but I have pretty big ambitions outside of just doing some sort of retro historical revival. But yeah, those influences are there 100%. Yeah, I'm excited for you. There's big things coming your way. Now, when you talk about your love for the early 2000s, You've mentioned that there was this fluidity that you admired in the Kitsune Maison compilations and the DFA remixes of La Tigra or The Rakes. Do you have a favorite Kitsune Maison compilation? I know that's a hard question because I often forget what was on each compilation myself, but is there one in particular off the top of your head that really sticks out to you? I think there's one that has Drugs in My Body by Thieves Like Us on it. That was four, I think. Okay. Compilation I can't four. keep them straight. I don't know either. There's also the one with the legendary Soul Wax remix of Standing in the Way of Control by Gossip. Yes. Which I think is awesome. I definitely DJ that at Home Sweet Home like, kind of regularly. Yes. I want to go to New York and see one of your DJ sets. That would be awesome. I'm actually going to be there soon, probably in December. We're actually trying to throw some parties that could be happening. So I was even hoping maybe you could play one of the parties. I would love to. If that happens. Because I think you'd just put on a great show and everyone would totally go crazy. If they haven't heard your music before, they would lose their shit to it. What is a performance of yours under the dare like? How do you conduct yourself in a performance? I try to be pretty unhinged, honestly, and like really lean into sort of a loose persona. I've been wearing a suit. That's kind of part of the aesthetic as well. Yeah, I love the suit. I love getting dressed up. You know, I'm not so creative as to have like a whole theatrical thing going on right now. And maybe one day I will. But the suit for me is part of that where it's like when you get on stage, it's a different person. It's a performance. You know, you're not just watching your friend like pour his heart out or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I usually just go up there. Right now I'm performing solo and DJing the tracks and doing sort of live effects and mixing. So it's sort of like a hybrid live set mixed with DJing. I just did a tour of a bunch of house shows that my friend Jack Kerwin booked. I heard about those. I really wanted to go to one. It was fun. It was just very punk, you know, just like jumping into people, turning the music up as loud as possible. We played one basement that had no subwoofers. So me and my friend Ezra ran the sound out of the PA into a bass amp. <laughs> cut all the highs, turn the bass amp all the way up to like substitute for the subwoofer. And then I was just kind of like smoking inside, like throwing things at people, just trying to get people to loosen up a little bit and have some fun. And I think the indie culture of mid 2010s is really like twee and kind of 
emotional and serious. And I'm really just trying to smash that up. Like, I don't want people to stand around and cry at my shows. Like, I just (laughs) think that's lame. I agree. That's not really my kind of vibe either. (laughs) Is there anything about the aesthetics of the era that you want to either like leave behind or sort of modernize? Sort of in reverse, I feel like with the internet exploding and being this wild west for like pirating music and remix and sharing music, it was like so exciting in the early 2000s. And now it's like you go on TikTok and you're like immediately getting blasted with a mashup of Nicki Minaj and like <laughs> Avicii or something. I don't mean, you know, more tasteful than that. But like, I feel like people are kind of burnt out on the internet and they want to do things in real life. Yeah. I want to like make being in real life more fun. I'm like inspired by like John Mouse's performances where he's hitting himself and whatnot. (laughs) I feel like when I came to New York, there wasn't really a downtown Manhattan music scene or something that I related to. There's definitely bands in Brooklyn that I looked up to. I saw Water From Your Eyes play in a Bushwick weird store and it just absolutely rocked my world. But There wasn't really a downtown thing going on. It didn't feel like there was a dialogue between people my age and different scenes and art practices. And so me and my friend Blake just started doing weird shows and just trying to get people to come out. I started DJing at Home Sweet Home and started dragging these Brooklyn indie rockers out there to just dance and like get drunk and stuff. To me, that's what's really exciting is all the real life kind of stuff. You run into people you wouldn't normally meet or like you'd be scared to talk to online and your boats just happen to be drunk at this bar and they're like telling you about their idea for something and you're like, you should come over and we'll make it happen. You know, like all that stuff is the best to me. And I was going to say one more thing, which is just more about the sound of Bloghouse is that I think some of the synthesizers or tones of the music from that era are like super ugly and super outdated. Yeah. I think that always happens when you're like breaking new ground, any new kind of movement of music or like... Yeah, like dubstep, for instance. Yeah, like you're bound to hit on some not timeless sounds, if you will. Mm -hmm. I definitely like do deep dives through music playlists from that era to find new things to DJ or like be influenced by. And some of it, I'm like, this is just so ugly. Like these sounds suck. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just a different time and we have different tastes now for what we think is beautiful. So I'm definitely trying to modernize a lot of the tones and like production. Obviously, just the accessibility of having a MacBook with logic on it. Like I make all my music in my bedroom, so I can make like a pop record here and make it sound like a million times better than, I don't know. It seems a lot harder back then to make like pop music. What was the writing and production process for girls? Like how did it come together? I just wrote it in one night, really late at night, probably like 2 a.m., just kind of messing around. I just whipped up my computer. I probably made the beat in like 20 minutes. Wow. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm probably just going to throw this beat away unless I sing on it. So I just started kind of like freestyling. I came up with the first lyric and I was like, that's kind of funny. And then I just wrote the rest of it in kind of one fell swoop. And think after that, I sent it around and my friends are like, this is funny. This is cool. You know, whatever. This is a cool demo. And I started playing it live a bit, and my friend Natalie Miano, she's a publicist. She was like, I love this song. I want to work it. And she was like, you got to send it to me. So I sent her the demo, and she was like, this sounds like shit. She was (laughs) like, this is terrible. Like, you got to work on this. So then I kind of went back and just, like, polished everything up, you know. 
I like to say that I made it in like 30 minutes, which is true. But then, of course, I went back. I sort of added a little more arrangement and sound effects and had my friends May, Simbera, and Allison Kamita do the backing vocals throughout the track that are just like chopped up in there. Yeah. And that kind of, I think, really made the song come together as like a really complete and tight vision. And yeah. And what kind of inspired the lyrical content? My friend Ari Solis is a super underground musician. He lives in the Bay Area. And we're basically internet friends. We've been internet friends and not real life friends ever for probably like six or seven years. He was kind of the first person to make me feel that it was okay to make beats and to like sort of talk, sing, or sort of like be braggadocious because he's so good at that. And I was just always in awe of his music. So we would kind of make funny little songs and send them back and forth. And that's kind of what led me to start doing stuff like that, where I would just make a little beat and say something silly over it. It's not that serious. I wasn't trying to make a grand statement about women or anything. Yeah. I mean, I was just leaning into these real feelings that I have and sort of turning them up to 10 and just making it feel just absolutely crazy, like overwhelmed with like being horny and, you know, wanting to fuck and everything. Yeah. So that was kind of the concept that once that popped into my head, I was like, I got this. And then I was just kind of off to rhyme town. <laughs> yeah, no, I love all the lyrics. Ever since I've heard it and ever since I played it for my friends, like we are randomly singing parts of that song all the time and making up our own versions of your lyrics. As <laughs> Good. Well. Yeah, I've been doing <laughs> so, that. I'm like, I like the girls that eat bugs or like <laughs> girls that do podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like to keep your songs around the two minute mark, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And I kind of know a bit of your reasoning behind this, but could you give the listeners a little bit of info on why and how you kind of landed on the two minute mark as like the duration of choice that you have on most of your tracks? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not like married to two minute songs, but I'm sort of influenced by the Beatles. Really early works, obviously, mm -hmm. like She Loves You or something. It's like probably one of my favorite songs of all time or like just one of the greatest. There's no wasted time. It's like you're getting four to eight bars of like verse hits you with the pre-chorus, chorus. I've also deconstructed a lot of like Weezer songs in this oh, way where it's like, I love that. It's like Bach or something where the counterpoint and the arrangement is like <laughs> so perfect. I've studied those structures and tried to build songs around those structures. And I definitely did some turtleneck songs doing that. But I just don't really want any wasted time in the songs. I mean, I don't think anybody really does, you know, but mm -hmm. maybe they're not as crazy as me to do something like that. It's just punk. A lot of my favorite records are punk records. And I like just getting to the point. Like, I love Black Flag, Descendants, Discharge. And the only thing is that the full record that I've been making, a lot of the songs are much longer. And that's due to the nature of dance music. So, like, pop music, I'm definitely always trying to shoot for, like, under three minutes or three minutes max, really. But dance music is just different, like the way it makes you feel, it has the trance-like nature of it. There's a couple songs I've been making that are like four to six minutes long. Maybe someone will want to do like an eight-minute club mix, but <laughs> that's in the future. Yeah, I can't wait for all the remixes of your song to come out. Yeah. Have you heard any yet? Are there any? A couple people have taken the track and leached the vocal out of it using some software and did their own remixes. This guy, Tyler, did a really cool remix that's like really straight early DFA. And this other person, let me try and find their name really quick. I have actually DJed their remix a couple times. 
It's called the FTM Remix. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't get to share that one yet. I'm not sure if they know what they're going to do with it, but I think ultimately I'm going to try and put out an official remix sometime before the end of this year. And yeah, send it off to the clubs, I guess. Nice. Are there like three early 2000s anthems or any kind of blog house track or remix that are like your favorite? I was actually just listening to Pieces of Me by Ashley Simpson. That's not really <laughs> That's like amazing. blog house, but that song is really amazing. It's a pretty good song. Definitely like all of the early Robin stuff, like Dancing on My Own and Call Your Girlfriend. Solax remixes of hers are really good too. Yeah, those are fire. I also love Do You Want To by Franz Ferdinand. Yes. I'll play that like straight up at Home Sweet Home. I don't even know if there's any remixes of that, but that one's just huge and was huge for me when I was like 12 or whatever. There's a pretty good remix of I Can Change by Tiga. Yes. He's a guy that I just totally love and emulate. He's from Montreal too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is Canadian. Yeah, that one is really like Titanic and I DJ that one quite a bit. It's like really emotional and it builds very slowly. It's like this big machine that's just like building. That's probably all I got for right now. There's a million more, but... <laughs> yeah, no, those are great tracks. How does it feel to kind of have people relating your music to artists like Tiga and other artists that you admire like how does that feel at this point in your career it makes me feel like i'm a good listener and like a good emulator of those styles because it's like i am trying to make things influenced by those styles and if people are picking up on it then that feels really good basically the more obscure the comparison the better it feels to receive i made a little iceberg meme about this because when girls came out like everybody put in their like two cents of like what it sounds like i just was cracking up at the disparity in what people were saying for example my friend dylan who is an extremely intense student of obscure music was like this sounds exactly like von sudenfeld which is marky smith's weird ass electronic project after the fall I love that so much and like totally influenced by it. And then other people were like, this sounds like early Calvin Harris. I've like literally never listened to that. <laughs> and I sort of am slightly into it now after listening to it. Like I like Mary making at my place. The thing is, there's so many bands from that era that sounded similar or like girls draws from that everybody sort of has a slightly different opinion on what it sounds like. It feels good to get comparisons. It feels good to know that what I'm doing is being understood pretty immediately. Yeah. I think the rest of the songs that I'm going to put out are going to be a little more challenging for people to really place. And I hopefully like via doing all of that, it'll establish my identity as being separate from these influences. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I definitely can hear in your music your own identity. So it's not like this complete replica of the music that you're inspired by, but this really unique twist and take on it. I saw that iceberg meme. Chicks on Speed was on there and I was like, yes, yeah, I can I love, love their music. And I feel like they're underrated and don't get enough recognition. And I could hear that in your track as well. So kudos to you. Thank you. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I actually haven't done one of these in like ages. I took a break from my <laughs> job. So it was really nice to kind of Get back on the mic here and talk with someone who's coming out with new music that really makes me honestly excited. And I hope to come to New York and see you DJ. Is there anywhere you want to direct listeners to? Yeah, I mean, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's it's the Dare. Twitter is the same thing. My TikTok account is the Dare Official, which I accidentally did before I realized you can't change it for like a month. So, <laughs> yeah, you can find the music on really any platform you want, Bandcamp, 
Apple Music, Spotify. If you use Tidal, <laughs> I don't know. Any, actually, I think I know one person who uses Tidal, but you can also pirate it, do whatever you want. That's really the original Bloghouse spirit. Like, just go on SoulSeek and download it like a thousand times until it sounds like shit. Remix it, chop it up. Yeah. <laughs> and also check out the music video. Well, that was actually a question I forgot to ask you. Like, how was it filming the music video for the song? It was really fun. I just promoted it a bunch. I was like, come be in my video, blah, blah, blah. It's during my normal set. So like, I'll just be playing music and then I'll play girls like 10 times in a row. And if you want to sing along or just jump around, a lot of the people in that video had been hearing the song for a while. So they already knew all the lyrics. So yeah, that was really, really great. My friend Jake, who I mentioned before from sitcom, the band shot it. He directs a lot of cool videos. And actually... I just found out a really interesting fun fact, which is that the music video for Rich Girls by the Virgins was also shot at Home Sweet Home. Oh, shit. Really? It looks completely different in their video, but it's just funny that it like has the same title and it's like a similar vibe. That's another band that I think should have been a lot more famous than they were, which is mm-hmm. kind of mentioned a couple of times by a few people on this podcast. But yeah, I totally expected them to blow up a bit more, but it's kind of cool that they stayed underground in a sense yeah. and you have those niche followers and listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hope to see you soon in New York. Yeah, definitely. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later.